to read from the Word of God and try to teach something that God laid on my heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, whoever's upstairs. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. For, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, both of these are familiar passages of scriptures to most of us. Ephesians 6 and 10, finally, brethren, be strong. Now, Paul has said a bunch of stuff, okay? And he comes to the conclusion and he says, finally, brethren, all the stuff I told you, now let me kind of surmise what I'm trying to tell you. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We ask you, God, to allow your word that is already anointed, allow it to permeate our hearts and minds tonight. Lord, I ask you to open up our hearts and our thoughts and our spirits to the word. Lord, I would ask that you would open my mind up to your voice, that I could speak clearly what you would say to your people. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. And I want to teach for a little bit tonight on not an unfamiliar path or thought, uh, especially even with me, but uh, hopefully. I'm going to talk about the weapons of our warfare. But uh, I really, I want to focus on what I would say. Notice I said what I would say. Okay, I want to focus on what I would say or what I would think is our primary or essential weapon. The Word of God we read says the weapons of our warfare. We have more than one weapon. Right? Okay, so the weapons of our warfare. I want to talk about the weapons of our warfare, but I... I want to primarily, I want to focus on what I consider to be that essential weapon. Amen. And if it's not the essential and I'm wrong, then Pastor Wright can fix it. He's good at that. Amen. But I don't think I'm going to say anything that's out of place. Amen. And I kind of got here... Uh, by the help of an elder. So last week during our uh, Oikos Zoom meeting, we our Oikos usually has a Zoom 
meeting on Monday nights. And uh, so during our Oikos uh, Zoom meeting last week, uh, Brother uh, Philippek, <clears throat> he uh, taught a lesson. Uh, and the, uh, the lesson that he was teaching, in this lesson he was giving the history of the doctrine of the Trinity. Now hold on, now don't, don't leave, okay? <clears throat> he, was <laughs> he was giving a history on how the doctrine of the Trinity came to be. He wasn't teaching the doctrine of the Trinity, he was teaching how we got, or the church world got to that place where that teaching was taught. And uh, so, uh, as he was teaching this lesson, and uh, he explained and highlighted how this doctrine invaded the culture of the church to the point that it became the primary doctrine of who God is in the Christian faith. And so as he was teaching, and then later, the more I thought about what he had taught and the more I thought about the reality of, of what he had said, I asked myself a question. How could this lie become truth. Let me preface my question. It really isn't truth. Okay? I'm just talking about the belief system of the Christian world. Especially at that time. So how did this lie become truth? How did the Christian, did the, how did the church that was born out of the understanding, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's, that's the premise. That's the truth that the church came out of. That's what it was born under, the understanding that there's one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. How did the church that was born out of that understanding come to a place they would believe and teach that God was three co-equal, co-eternal, co-substantial persons. How does that happen? How do you get from here to here? And, and really, in a relatively short amount of time, when you think about it. So the last disciple, I mean, the last apostle, I believe, I didn't look this up, but if I believe, if my memory serves me, brother, you, you might know this. I believe the last disciple probably died somewhere around 90 B.C., I mean 90 A.D., Okay. So somewhere around 90 A.D., 180, somewhere in there, 
to about 200 years later. We go from understanding truth, what truth really is, to the church teaching this completely unbiblical doctrine as truth. How do you get there? That's that's the question I asked myself. I wanted to know. I wanted to know, how do you get there? So I began to think about it. I began to pray about it. And I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. But so let's just take that question and let's just put it on the back burner and let it simmer for a little bit. We'll get back to it in a minute. So <clears throat> that's, that's my starting point. And now I want, to, I want to answer that question, hopefully, by what I'm going to teach tonight. So we see in the two passages of scriptures that we took as our text or our starting point tonight, we, we see in these two passages of scriptures the fact that we are engaged in a battle. We as the church, we as the people of God, even we as the world. The world doesn't know it, but the world is in a spiritual battle. The difference between the church and the world is we know, or at least we should know, that we're in a battle. But, but all humanity's in this battle. And so this passage of Scripture, the two passages of Scriptures that I read tonight, help us to understand that we are in a battle. It's not a battle against men. It's not a battle against women. It's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's a battle against powers, spirits, principalities. I don't even like that word. I'm not even sure I understand completely what a principality is. I do, but I just don't like the sound of that word. It just sounds bad. Principality. We're be- we're- we've got principalities. And they're fighting us. They're right over there. And some over there. Couple out back. Principalities. How do you fight a principality? Well, we have weapons for that. So that's, that's the battle that we find ourselves engaged in. It's a battle that is fought in the realm of the spirit It's a battle that is fought in the mind of man. It is a battle that is fought for the souls of humanity. That's the battle that we find ourselves in the midst of. And these two passages of scriptures tell us that we're in a battle, and it tells us that we have weapons. And the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, because we're not fighting a carnal battle. We're not fighting against this world, the outside world. So we don't need to fight this battle with guns. If we do, I've got plenty at the house. I'm good to go. But we don't need those to fight this battle. We have other weapons to fight this battle. We sing a song that says, 
Now, before I, before I make the next two statements, everybody know who's teaching tonight? Everyone can see who's teaching, right? Okay. If there's one thing that you could say about me is probably I like to do what? I like to worship. I enjoy praise. Matter of fact, I don't really like, I don't really, let me say it this way, I don't really appreciate boring church services. Okay, I'm just going to say it that way. So you know that that, could everyone agree that that's probably true about me? Okay, good. At least you know who's talking tonight. Okay, so we sing this song, and this song says, this is how I fight my battles. And, and the song is singing about, what's it singing about? When it says, this is how I fight my battles, what's it talking about? It's talking about praise and worship, right? So this is how I fight my battles. Amen. And, and we, 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 we do good there. This is how I fight my battles. We know that the Bible tells us in uh, Acts chapter 16, it tells us a story about Paul and Silas. They find themselves in prison. They find themselves in stocks and bonds locked up in the prison house. And the Bible says they sang, they prayed, and they sang praises. I'll read that, Acts 16, 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prison prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the founders, uh, that, so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loose. I know that the Bible tells us in Second Chronicles, it tells us that Jehoshaphat, they were getting ready to go to war. They were getting ready to go into battle. And the Bible tells us that Jehoshaphat appointed singers. He appointed worshipers. And he told those, those worshipers and he told those singers to go out before the armies of Israel. I'm going to read that too. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. And they arose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judea, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise him, that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten. I know that that passage is there. I know, you know and I know that I believe in the weapon of worship. 
I believe in the weapon of praise. I believe, I believe we as a church, I believe we have the revelation and the understanding of, of that weapon, that weapon that, 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 that in praise we can, we can fight our battles. But that's not the weapon I want to talk about. That's not, and I believe, hear me, okay, you know who's teaching. I believe that to a certain degree, we as the church have made that our primary weapon. Now, I love to worship, and I understand the power of praise. Okay, so I'm not trying to diminish the weapon of praise. But I believe we as the church have, have elevated that weapon to the, be our primary weapon. And I don't believe it's supposed to be. Remember the question that we have simmering over here? We're going to try to answer that question. We started out reading in Ephesians chapter 6. I want to continue that reading there. I know most of you are like, why, why did you stop? Because I, I wanted to get to that place. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. <clears throat> we all said these first two words because we know that that's, well, that's what the next word is. When you've done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shed, or shed, how about shod? And have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking on the shield of taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So as I thought about that question, that question of how did the church How did the church come from a place of understanding, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. How did the church come from a place of understanding that there is one God, that there was a plethora of false teaching throughout the land in which they lived, Greek. We find Paul in the book of Acts. We find Paul standing on Mars Hill. We find Paul standing there and he's looking around. He's seeing all of these gods, idols, seeing all of these gods. But what does Paul do? Paul doesn't crucify them. He doesn't criticize them. He doesn't, you know, rebuke them for their not understanding that there's one God. But what he does do is he finds this God, this this idol, this, this altar. And this altar was 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 set up as a catch-22. We got all these gods, but just in case we missed one, we're going to set up a place to worship the unknown God. Paul said, I want to introduce you to the unknown God. Because all those other gods, they're not real. All of those other things that you worship, they're not true. All of those other things that you give sacrifice to, they cannot help you. But this unknown God, the one you call an unknown God, His name is Christ. His name is Jesus. He was the Christ. 
And he began to expound. How does a church standing on that foundation get to a place in a little under uh, over 200 years to a place where they're teaching a complete lie as truth? I began to think about that. And I, the more I thought about it, I believe it's because of the fact that they did not use or have their primary weapon. This, they, they, they were not able to stand against this fiery dart of false doctrine. And it was because they did not have, first of all, in, in I don't know if defense is the right word, but, but uh, they did not have what we have today. They did not have a Bible, okay? Uh, but especially at that time when uh, the doctrine of, of the Trinity got put into place. So Mark chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus says this, And Jesus said, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Do ye not therefore error, because ye know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? Jesus, and I don't, I just want, I wanted to take that passage of Scripture. You can go back and read it. Jesus is having a discussion with the Sadducees, and they ask him this crazy question about, you know, seven brothers and a wife and all that craziness. Who's, who's, who are they going to be married? And he's like, you do error. You, 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 you guys don't know the Scripture. You're teaching this crazy doctrine because you don't know the scripture, you do error, he said, because you know not the scripture. As you look at the armor of God that Paul describes in his letter to the church at Ephesus, I want you to note that four of the six items are directly linked to the Word of God. Four of the six items that we, that Paul writes about that we consider to be part of the armor of God are directly linked to the Word of God. Let's look at it real quick. First one, loins, girt about, with truth. First thing he says, he says, as you put on the as you put on the whole armor of God, that your loins might be girt about with truth. Not with just anything, not with just any thought, not with just any doctrine, not with just any concept of man, not with the tradition of the church, but that your loins would be girt about that part that protects the, the inner organs, that, that, that place of vulnerability, is it would be girt about with truth. That's the Word of God. That your feet would be shod with the preparation of the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? If I ask you that question, what is the gospel? What, what, what is it? The good news. That's the 
first statement we make, right? So the gospel is the good news. Ephesians 6 and 15, reading there the, 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 in the Amplified, talking about this weapon, it says in the Amplified, it says, And having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with a firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news, the gospel of peace. The good news, the gospel, the word of God. Let your, let your feet be shod. Let it, let, let it be protected. And then he says that you take the shield of faith. Where does faith come from? Faith cometh from what? Hearing what? Hearing the word of God. Faith does not come because I have this mental assent. Faith does not, become, does not become in my life. I can't have the shield of faith without the word of God. Because the shield of faith, my shield, how big is your shield? You ever, you ever, you ever see back in the, now, now this is the Roman days. So, the, you know, we've seen, if, pardon my carnality for a moment. If you've watched any of those movies, you know, different war movies or, you know, fighting movies. You see these guys got shields about this big. What are you going to do with that? Then you see those Roman guys. They got shields six foot tall. Their shields interlocked together. They, they would get a band of guys together that would lock their shield. Your faith bond with my faith. They would get that, their shield and they would bind them together. And you couldn't, they made a wall. You couldn't penetrate it. And they would just press against the enemy. The shield, the shield of faith. But faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you can't have a shield of faith without the word of God. Not a, not a shield that's going to block any fiery darts. How did, how did the church fall victim to the fiery dart a false doctrine called Trinity. They didn't have a shield of faith. They didn't have the Word of God. Or at least they didn't know the Word of God. They allowed a false doctrine to come in because they didn't know truth. That's how we fall victim to a false doctrine. That's how we as the church can come to a place where we believe a lie to be true. So the shield of faith. And then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now I would go so far as to say, I said four of the six are directly tied to the Word of God. I could probably, with some digging, with some manipulating, I don't, like, I don't want to use that, manipulating is not the word I want because it sounds like I'm trying to twist the word of God, but just kind of really digging into it, I could probably tie the other two weapons back to the word of God as well. But those four, I don't have to, it's pretty obvious that they tie back and directly linked to the word of God. Truth, hope comes from the word of God. 
David said, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? Why did David say he hid the word of God in his heart? That he might not sin against God. Thy word have I hid in my heart. He's not talking about putting it someplace where he can't find it or someone else can't find it. He put it in a safe place. He put it in a place where he knew where it was. You ever put something somewhere so you would know where it was and forgot where you put it? Speaking of my guns, my guns, just the other day, I needed to get in my gun safe. I don't go in there all the time, so I needed to get in my gun safe. I needed to do something, so I needed to get in my gun safe. And I went out to the garage to get in my gun safe, and I began to spin the combination. I don't have a key to my gun safe began to spin the combination dial, and I'm like, what's the combination? I know I put that somewhere. I went and got my phone out. I figured I must have put it in this app. No, it wasn't there. Thought I put it somewhere. No, it wasn't there. I'm like, uh-oh, where's my combination? To my? I, I put it somewhere. I wouldn't forget it, and I forgot where I put it. Luckily, I have a sticker for my gun safe, and I stuck that someplace else. I'm not telling you where I put it. Okay, so I stuck that sticker somewhere. That's my fallback plan. So I went out to where the sticker was and looked at it. Oh, that's right. That's where the combination is. So then I put it in my password app so I know where it's at now. But you ever put something somewhere so you won't so you won't lose it and you lose it? That's not David what David was talking about. He wasn't talking about hiding the word of God in a place where he he he, he forgot where it was. He says, I'm putting it someplace where I'm always going to see it, where I'm always going to be next to it, where it's always going to be available to me, where it's always going to be at a ready hand to reach out and to put my hand upon it. Why? Because there's going to come a time in my life when sin's going to come and I'm going to have to reach. I'm going to have to make a decision. Should I do this or should I do that? How am I going to know what is true? I'm going to reach for that thing that I've put in my heart the Word of God. I'm going to reach for that weapon that tells me the difference between truth and lie. Because if I trust in my own nature, if I trust in my own understanding, if I trust in my own ability, I'm going to find myself believing something erroneous. Because it sounds right. Sometimes, oh, children, plug your ears for a minute because what I'm about to say There's no such thing as the best lie, okay? There's no good lie, children. Thank you. The best lie sounds like truth. Oh, man, that that makes sense. That sounds right. You tell a lie that sounds like a lie? Ain't no one believing that. You tell truth that sounds like a lie. There ain't no one believing that. You better have some proof. Hid the word in his heart. There's an onslaught against truth in this age today. There's an onslaught against truth. 
So there must be a renewal, a renewed hunger, and a pursuing of the Word of God. We must once again make the searching of truth in the Word of God the primary weapon of our warfare. We must regularly wield that weapon. We must regularly put our hand upon anyone that knows anything about anything about fighting, warfare, whatever you want to call it, battle. You know, uh, a warrior, if I can use that term, doesn't just wake up one day and go to battle and win. There's a few warriors that have woken up and gone to battle and never woken up again because they were inexperienced. You cannot, you cannot use a weapon. What did, what, what did David, David, David? David shows up one day on the battlefield and, and he hears this noise. He hears this noise and he's like, what is that? What? That just, what? What did he say? Hey, did I hear what I thought I heard? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Someone needs to go down there and whip him a good one. Well, the, the king said, if whoever would go down there and kill him would get a wife, get a who? The king's daughter? She's pretty fine. The brother going to go get him a wife. I'll go down there. So he goes over and sees the king, and the king says, you're going to go down there? Brother, you're just a little bitty dude, and he's a big guy. That's all right. When I was in the wilderness, this bear showed up. He tried to steal one of my daddy's sheep. So I just reached over, grabbed him by his beard, and killed him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon me, though. And so then there was this lion, and I, I killed him. So I'll just do to this guy what I did to them. And the, day, and the king said, that sounds pretty good. Go ahead, because if you go, I don't got to go. And he said, but seeing you're going... Why don't you go ahead and take my armor? Here's my sword. Here's my shield. Here's the weapons of my warfare. Go ahead and take them with you so you can fight this guy. And David said, I, I can't use that. I, I can't fight like that. I can't use those weapons. I, I've, never, I've never trained with, with them. I don't, I don't know how they work. Only thing I know how to do is use this, this slingshot in the name of the Lord. Between these two things, I'll get the job done. I, I can't use, you can't use a weapon you've never proved. So we, we, we in this onslaught of, 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 the, of the attack against truth, we've got to get back to the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 
But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Peter said we have to be ready to give an answer to all men for the hope, that hope that we were singing about earlier. We have to be able to give an answer. You know, you know what man we have to first give an answer to? You know what the first man is you need to give an answer to? The guy in the mirror, the lady in the mirror. You need to be able to give an answer to yourself. When, when, when the adversary brings in the question of truth, you need to be able to give an answer. Can you answer the question? Can you, can you stand upon the truth? Can you defend your own truth? Can you defend what you believe? As Brother Philippeck was teaching, I, I, I made this statement at the, end of our, at the end of our lesson. I said, we had some discussion. I said, I said as, a, as a young person in church, I believed in one God. I believed in the doctrine of one God because my pastor taught it. You didn't hear what I said. I said, I believed in the doctrine of one God because that's what my pastor taught. Not because I knew it to be true. Not because I understood it. Not because I had the word hid in my heart. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't believe it because I knew it. I believed it because he said it. We have to be able to give an answer to ourselves. What if? Because this is what happened. I, I wasn't there, but someone, someone began teaching something that was not what Paul taught. Someone started teaching something that was not what Peter taught. Someone started preaching and teaching something that was not what the other disciples taught, not what Timothy taught. What are you going to do? Maybe, maybe you're on the internet. Someone, there's a preacher that, that you have respect for. And this preacher teaches something that's not quite, that's a little different. What are you going to do? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pick on me. What are you going to do if I stand behind this desk and I teach something that's not lining up with Scripture? What are you going to do? Oh, Brother Barr must have got a new revelation. No! Brother Barr's lost his mind! If anyone teaches something, you're like, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. Let, let me. There's, there's been more than one occasion people have said some stuff in the pulpit. I'm talking about, I've only been in, I've been in this since I was 14. And I've only, I've not been to too many other different kinds of churches, if I can just say it that way, okay? So I'm not talking about someplace else. I'm talking about, 
apostolic churches. Maybe back then they were Pentecostal, but I'll, I'll leave that to someone else. And I've heard some people say some stuff, and I'm like, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I believe that. So I have a choice. I either say, okay, he said it, I believe it. Or I could say, okay, you've lost your mind, I don't believe nothing you'll ever say again. Or what I really should do is I need to say, I need to go look at the Word of God. Let, let me go get the Bible. Hmm. Let's go over to this one. Hmm. I need to know for myself. I need to be able to give my, an answer to myself. If someone begins to teach something that's not... Now, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? I'm going to get in trouble right here. I'm gonna be, I told you I grew up in the same size 14. There's some, some, there some things that were taught when I was a kid that would send you straight to hell. Don't pass go. Don't pay $200. You just go to hell. If you did them, I'm not, I'm not saying what any of that was. I'm just telling you, things were, and today, that ain't taught like that. Now, some folks would say, oh, we, we've compromised. Well, I don't believe that. I believe there were some, some things that was taught as I was a child were taught out of fear. They were taught out of, of you know, we just got to keep people safe, so we're going to, oh, Lord, stop. <clears throat> Getting ready to get into politics, and I ain't supposed to do that. We, we got to keep people safe, so we're going to say this. And I don't think they did, I don't think there was any kind of, conspiracy and they were trying to teach they were just trying to teach what they knew okay and so but there's been some things over the years that some stuff changed and I had to decide okay well what does the Bible say what does the word of God say I use I'll use a very I'll use a very good example that I, I use when I was when I was uh, there's some places in our world in, our, in the church world, where they preach that if you wear a wedding ring, it's a sin, okay? They teach that. I couldn't go to church there because I have a personal biblical conviction. It's my personal biblical conviction. It's not the teaching of Antioch, the apostolic church. I have a personal biblical conviction that I should wear a wedding ring. And so that's, uh, when I was growing up, you couldn't wear cufflinks. Cufflinks were, it was jewelry, you couldn't wear that. Okay, so some things have changed. So, but, but as things changed, I had to kind of look at it and say, are they changing truth? I had to make, I had to look at the word of God for myself. That's the point I'm trying to make. We, we, we have to 
trust in the men and the women of God that are placed in our lives, but we also have to be able to give an answer. And the only way we can give an answer is to study the Word of God. When I was first coming into to, uh, a pulpit ministry, I felt the call of God to, to, to preach the gospel and to minister in the fivefold ministry. Uh, my pastor at that time, he, he did this to me. He would say to me, he would say, Jim, I need you to study this and write me a report. He didn't call it a report, but I'd have to write a paper. I'd have to study out a subject. He'd give me something to study. He wouldn't, not him teaching me. He would give me, he would say, I want you to study, and I remember this one. He said, I want you to study uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Talks about the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, the, the uh, yeah, gifts of the Spirit. So I want you to study chapter 12 in Corinthians. And I, I want you to write up a, a, a paper on that. So I had to dig into it. I had to study it. I had to, I had to get in there and figure out what was this and what was that. And I learned stuff I didn't know. And I, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure he ever read any of the papers that I gave him. Because he really never had a whole lot to say about them. He never said, man, that was an awesome paper you wrote. Or he never said, yeah, I think you missed it there. He just kind of said, okay, here's your next assignment. What was he doing? He was making me dig in the Word of God. He was making me study. Not just listen to him teach me, but making me get in the Word of God. I think it would be good for every one of us. I believe it would be good for every one of us whether someone gives us an assignment or we give ourselves an assignment. We say, I'm going to study this. And we study it and we write a paper on it. Maybe give it to someone to read. They may not read it, but you did the work, so don't get upset if they don't read it. It's not about them reading it and tell you how wonderful you did. It's about you and I studying the Word of God. We've got to know truth. Let me wrap up. What are we reading? What are we reading? What are we digging into the Word of God? I believe, there, I believe there's times when we should just read the Word. I'll be honest with you, sometimes in the morning when I'm reading my Bible, sometimes I don't get nothing out of it. And what I mean by that, nothing jumps off the page and I don't get divine revelation. Sometimes I do, to be honest with you. Sometimes someone will slap me in the head and say, you need to pay attention to that. And I'll write it down to come back and look at it later. But sometimes I don't, it's just, I'm just reading the Word of God. Why am I reading the Word of God? Because it's the only way it's going to get in my heart. Do you know in your brain, the way your brain is, this is good and bad, do you know that everything that goes in here and everything that goes in here. I said everything. Everything that goes in here and everything that goes in here is stored in here. It's all there. 
That's why the Bible talks about we need to renew our mind. But that's another lesson for another night. Because there's some stuff in there we need taken out. We need to delete some bites and bits. and That's got to go. But another lesson. So the Spirit of God can bring things back to remembrance. But He can't bring back to remembrance if it ain't never got in here. If we've never read it, if we've never looked at it, he can't bring it back to us. So sometimes we just read the Word of God. But just reading the Word of God every day just to read the Word of God is not enough because that serves one purpose. There also has to be some diligent digging. There has to be some, I want to know more about this. I want to know more about just the subject that got me on this, on this quest, if you will, this lesson tonight. More about the, the, the fall of the church and the rebirth of the church. How did we get, okay, how did we get there, but then how did we get here? You know how we got here? Because someone said the word of God needs to be in everybody's hand. People like Martin Luther and Calvin, is that the right name? I'm not saying they had all the truth, but they, they said, what we have ain't true. Because the word of God, they, that they started putting the word into the hands of people. So we, we have to have the word of God. Amen. Is it truth in your life because Pastor Wright teaches it? Or because you dug in the word of God to discover it for yourself? Now, I thank God for Pastor Wright. He's a great man of God. I believe he teaches truth. I believe he searches for truth. I believe he only wants to know truth, okay? So I'm not trying to say anything against negative against Pastor Wright. We have a, we have a great pastor. Amen? He loves us, and he, he endeavors to teach what the Spirit of God leads him to teach. But he expects you and I to take what he teaches us and then dig into it, search it, apply it, make it our own. Not just because it came across the pulpit. Amen. John chapter 8, I'll close with this passage here, these passages here in John. John chapter 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then he teaches a little bit more, and and then Jesus responds to some questions after he talked about, If you believe my word, if you believe truth, the truth shall make you free. In verse 43, he says this, because some people were, were not hearing what he was saying. John chapter 8, verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth. Because there's no truth in him. 
When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me, convince, convinceth me of sin? And if ye say the truth, if I'm sorry, and if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Jesus was teaching, and there were some that believed the truth, and there were some that did not. There were some that received truth, and there were some that did not receive truth. He said those that did not receive truth, they are of their father, the devil, because there is no truth in him. And everything that he says, everything that he speaks is a lie. And that, 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 that battle that we are in, that, that warfare, you can stand please, that battle that we are in, that warfare, that, that warfare of truth against a lie. If we are going to get to that place that Sister Kimbrough was singing about at the beginning of service, if we're going to get to that place, that city called heaven, City called heaven, I got to make it. That song says, in another place says, help me to make it. We need to help one another. Amen. We need to, we need to help people understand truth. Not beat them over the head with it, but help them to understand. Jesus was helping these people to understand truth. In the Bible, if you read, go back and read John chapter 8, you're going to see there were some there that, that received truth, but there were some that would not. Why did they not receive truth? Because it conflicted against their tradition. It conflicted against what they thought was true. Oftentimes, people ask me, I should say, I don't know if I should say oftentimes, but when deal, talking with people, I've had people ask me a question. They'll say, are you a Christian? And my normal response is this. My normal response is, I'm striving to be Christ-like. I, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I'm striving to know Christ. And they'll, then the normal next question they normally ask me, they normally will say, what religion are you? Well, you just asked me if I was a Christian. Now you're asking me what religion I am. Okay, Christianity really is a religion, at least as far as our world is concerned. What they're really asking me is what denomination am I? That's what they really want to know. They say, what religion? Are you Baptist? Are you Presbyterian? Are you Lutheran? What, what are you? And my, my honest true answer to them is, I said, well, to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of titles or, or, or denominations. I said, if you've, got to get, if you've got to call me something, probably you could call me Pentecostal or apostolic. Those are terms you might understand. I said, but honestly, I, I am a Bible believer. I, I believe that the Word of God, that the Bible is the Word of God. And I believe that that book, regardless of, regardless of denominations, comes down to what does the Bible teach? 
I said, I strive to guide my life by what the Bible says. And I'll tell them, I'll tell them, you know, if, if they know that I'm a preacher, I'll say, I, I have a license with the United Pentecostal Church. I said, but, but that's, that's something that makes people understand what group you're a part of. I said, but the key for me is what does the Bible say? And the greatest weapon, now let me rephrase that, the essential weapon that we must be able to use and we must use it more than we use it now, is the Word of God. And, and when I say use it, I'm not talking about using it against somebody. I'm not talking about using it. You know, the reality of it is, <clears throat> what, what would you say if I said this? What would you say if I said that praise and worship is really a shield of faith? I don't got time to explain that. <clears throat> I just want you to think about it. Because praise and worship really is talking about who God is, right? I mean, if I'm praising and worshiping, I'm talking about, I'm exalting Him. The only way I can exalt Him is to know who He is. The only way I can know who He is is, is to get in the Word of God. And as I get in the Word of God, it increases my faith. And so my faith is, I believe He's Jehovah Jireh. I believe he's Jehovah Nisi. I believe, why? Because I've gotten in the word of God and I've gotten to know him. So the reason I can worship is because I know who he is. I know who he is is because I've gotten in the word. You see, where, you see the cycle that I'm talking about here? So we have to get in the word of God. And so I challenge each one of you. I challenge myself even more after Brother Felipek talked about that week. I, I began to challenge myself. I began to ask myself anew and afresh. I don't care how long you've been in this thing. I had to ask myself again, do I still believe truth? Can I, do I know truth? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about one God? What does the Bible say about who God is? What does the word of God say about sin? Pastor Wright spent at least six weeks, might have been more than that, he spent at least six weeks talking about the will of God, right? And really... Going back when he talked about the will of God, really what was he telling us where the will of God was? In the Word of God. We can't know the will of God if we don't know the Word of God. We have got to be back in the Word. Not just reading it, but studying it, digging into it. Challenge yourself to know truth. Challenge yourself. When some little thing rises up inside of you and you feel like, should I be doing this? Well, what does the Bible say? Don't, don't, don't just call your Oikos leader and say, hey, I, I want to know about this. That's a good place to start. I'm not saying you shouldn't ask your elders. But what does the Bible say? Get in the Word of God. I mean, we live in a day and age, and when I say get in the Word of God, I'm not talking about getting on Google and seeing what everyone else had to say about it. You've got to be careful out on, on that Google machine. That Google machine will take you places you just don't want to go. That Google machine will tell you some stuff that's just straight up untrue. Can't believe Google, Google don't know everything. You find something on Google, you, if you're on Facebook and some happy, happy preacher gets on there and says something, whoo, 
Boy, that sounded good. You better go look at the Word of God. That brother's sending you straight to hell. Or sister, there's some of them too. Ain't just the brothers preaching false doctrine. There's some sisters out there teaching some stuff. Be like, what? I'm going to stop before I can get myself in lots of trouble. Amen. What does the Bible say? And don't just, don't just, you know, find one little verse. Ooh, that's it. That is it. See what it says right there? I, I, know I, I knew I was right. I'm teaching this. Oh, I'm trying to stop. I'm teaching this life course on uh, anger, uh, a Bible study about anger. It's not anger management. It's about anger, though. And the writer of this book, it's, you know, someone else wrote the book that I'm using. And they, they're used, they put this verse in the book. And they're talking about anger being like fire. That's what they're talking about in the book, the lesson. And they put this, they put this verse right in there. And it talks about taking fire into your lap. That verse ain't got the first thing to do with anger. I'm like, I scratched it out. I put next to it. Out of context. I told all the ones that I'm teaching that that that's that's a good verse, but it don't belong in this lesson. Don't be taking a verse just to preach whatever you want to preach. It's got it's gotta be what it is. Amen. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for your truth. Thank you, Lord, for the people of God. And I thank you, God, that. You put in us a hunger to know you. And if we're going to know you, then we must know truth. You said that you would send your presence back to us, and your presence would be the spirit of truth, and it would lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, we need to allow the word of God and the spirit of God to be the defining force of truth in our lives. Not tradition, not what our mama said, not what our grandparents said, not even what the preacher says. If it doesn't line up with your word, God, we have to understand the word of God. Lord, and I ask you just to put into each one of us a fresh hunger to know the word of God. That we would take on the whole armor, gird ourselves with truth, have the shield of faith, have the sword of the Spirit in our hand. Be able to, to fight, not against man, but against the, the adversary, the principalities, the enemy of our soul, God. And Lord, just as you said in the wilderness to the adversary, you said it is written. When he tempted you, you simply told the adversary, here's what the Word of God says. You're bringing me a lie and I'm bringing you truth. Lord, we have to be able to do the same thing. Lord, I ask you to allow this word tonight to find a lodging place in our spirits, not just as a nice lesson, Lord, but something that would stir in us tomorrow, next week, later in the month, God, as something comes up, we will hear that voice say, is it true? Is it truth? What does the word of God declare? And we will look, we will search, we will dig. Lord, because we need your truth in this day and age of false doctrine. We praise you for it and we thank you. We ask you to go with your people.
keep them safe. I loose your peace and grace upon every home. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. Greet one another in Jesus' name.